Welcome to the program In the Footsteps of Jesus And we just started with an interesting sound And my guest today is John Beck Hi John, how are you? Hey again, Nick What was that sound, John? That was the didgeridoo How you call it, a song or a... Yeah, well that was... Um, the didgeridoo is used for traditionally um, dancing for rhythms mm. and storytelling um, so they use the um, the didgeridoo, or the real name is Yiraki. The, mm. the didgeridoo na- name came from the first anthropologist that went up into the East East Island where the didgeridoo or the Yiraki originated from, and he heard it play. And when sometimes when you hear it play, you can hear the sound didgeridoo coming out of it. Okay. So he heard the sound didgeridoo. So he, it's a European name. So he named it after the sound that it makes. But the traditional name is Jiraki. Okay. Certain areas have different different names for it as well. <laughs> I must say that uh, you have an uh, interesting back- background. Would you be able to tell us about your upbringing? Um, where are you from? What's your, what are your roots? Well, my, my, my clan group, my country is from Western Australia. And my grandfather is a Ngadju from the Norseman area. And my grandmother is a Murning from the South Australia, um, the whale people um, across the, the Nullarbor, mm-hmm. the Great Australian Bight. Okay. Yeah. And you you grew up in uh, Western Australia? I grew up in Western Australia. My dad is, my da- my mum is Aboriginal and my dad is German. But I was, but I was raised with my mum. I have no idea of my father's heritage. Okay. It's just my 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 mother's heritage that I've known. You know, yeah, yeah, okay. In our segment today, we are talking about walking in the footsteps of Jesus. And I was just going to um, chat with you a little bit about your walk with Jesus. Now, mm. have you been a Christian uh, in all your life, or what's your story? Can you tell us a little bit? Yeah, okay. Um, we all have a story. We all have past. And um, so... My dad, he had nothing, or my mum had nothing to do with Christianity or religion. Um, my 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 mum was taken away from my grandmother when my grandfather passed away at um, around Baladonia, just out of North, about two hours out of Northman, okay. and put into a mission. And um, and then my grandmother had to remarry and apply for her children back again. So she married William Trott, and um, then she um, reapplied for um, her children back again because had, my, my, my heritage is from the Dima family over in Western Australia. All right, that's your... Uh, my roots, my, my, hmm. my mother's... Um, well, my, my family's name, yeah. Okay. And then so when she remarried William Trott, she um, applied for her children back again and... Since then, she had no interest in religion because of, you know, the mission days and a lot of things happened there. Mm-hmm. But she did become a Christian okay. um, about 15 years or more before she had passed. How old were you when uh, she became a Christian? She became a Christian. I became a Christian first, and then I asked introduced her, to come, her. I introduced her to because she had a lot of questions, a lot of unanswered questions. Mm. Um, but before my my conversion, I was 
you know, drinking and smoking and um, had no religious background whatsoever. But in the back of my mind, I always believed that there was a creator. There always there had to be a designer. Everything just worked. You know, the sun rises and sets every day. Mm. Um, we're in this, in this bubble of air just on this earth, you know. You go out 400 kilometres out there and you need a mask, you know, for air, oxygen. And the food chain, everything's just, just there for everybody, for birds and animals and... For us, everything just works. So there had to be some intelligence behind it. So in the back of my mind, I've always believed that. But I didn't know what or where or how to tap into that little thing in the back of your mind that you know, says there's something there. Yeah, you, you're telling us that uh, uh, everything what surrounds us, and in this case in the nature, you can learn from God oh. if you really uh, pay attention or if you are interested. And that's a yeah. very interesting uh, Uh, approach yeah uh, because um, now I know the fact myself not being a Christian you know um, I learned that God uh, revealed himself yeah. to humankind in various ways yeah. and one of uh, these ways is through nature mm. oh Nick there's no excuse there's not going to be no excuse that They didn't see that there is a God or they, they, they didn't know that there was a God. Mm. There's so much evidence there that there is, you can call it God or, you know, creator, saviour. And how that started uh, with you? Well, that started when I was, um, I married my wife, uh, Annette Hurchison, beautiful lady. We had four children and um, we, we lived in, we lived kind of, because I'm from Western Australia and she was from Port Lincoln, so we kind of lived... Um, partly part of the year in Western Australia, part of the year in South Australia with her family. Then we'll alternate and live over there and backwards and forwards. Um, so one particular one particular year, I was um, I, I got myself into. I never used to smoke marijuana. I, I started drinking at an early age. Um, peer pressure, getting into alcohol and drugs and. I drug alcohol at the moment, at the time, when I was younger. And then when I moved to South Australia, um, I, w I would sit in with my brother-in-laws and um, they'd be smoking and blowing the smoke and then trying to tempt me to have a smoke. I said, no, 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 alcohol is right for me. But I didn't know that I, I was getting stoned as well because of all the smell. And, and I kind of enjoyed it. And then I had a, had a go at one and then... Next week, next minute, I had to go at another one, and then another one, and before long, I was hooked on it. Is that called like uh, these days, like a passive smoking? Passive smoking at first, yes. yes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Because I, I know myself, I've been a smoker, yeah. and I know how hard it was for myself to give it up. But, yeah, uh, yeah, that's another thing. Um, and you, you find yourself uh, just slowly hooked on it, and then before long, I was kind of growing it and. Um, We call it ripping off people, going out bush, tracking people, tracking tracks through the bush, try and find their crops, you know, taking their crops off them. And we were pretty good trackers as well. Mm. And this one particular um, crop that we that we had found, it was quite a big crop as well. And um, so we divided it amongst ourselves. And then I I, I thought, oh well, I'm going to take my my share to Western Australia and I had a GDS Monaro at the time 
And um, so I filled all my doors, front and back doors, with all this marijuana and um, I exchanged some of the marijuana for some stolen stolen videos and um, other stolen stuff and headed off my cousin and I and my sister-in-law. We headed off over to Western Australia and driving along across the Nullarbor and I saw this lights car with blue and red lights on the, on the, on the, on the roof. And as I went past, I looked in the revision mirror, the lights started flicking. They turned around, chased us down, pulled us over, found some marijuana seeds in my bag. And, um, and then they, um, so they searched the car, couldn't find anything. Because they found the seeds, they took us back to the um, Eucla, which is right on the border. Mm-hmm. Just about on the border anyway, 15 k's or something. And um, they searched the car. Eventually they found all the marijuana in the door trimmings and um, my cousin and I both got six months in prison. And um, it's interesting, looking back on it now, how I don't know whether God had planned it that way, but he certainly used it to bring about my salvation. While we were in Eucla, him and I, my cousin and I, we were together. We never seen darkness. They had the lights 24 hours a day. And um, we were playing pick-up sticks with matchsticks, you know. That one there moved, you know, and, you know, a little game with matchsticks. Well, you pick-up sticks be long one, but we were playing it with matchsticks. Yes. Just something to pass time away. And But we were together. We were able to tease one another and, and carry on. And then they moved us from Eucla to Norseman. They locked us in the cell there, and we were still together. And we spent nine days at Uke, at Norseman, and we were still together, still able to do the same things, you know, laugh at each other, joke around and everything, but we, we were together. Then they moved us from Norseman to Kalgoorlie, maximum security. From Kalgoorlie, they were going to push us through to Fremantle. Mm. That's when Fremantle was open then. And I heard a lot of stories about Fremantle. And... Um, and it was just fortunate that I had a cousin who worked as a warden there. And he stood up for me and said, look, this is his family. This is his country here. He's born in Kalgoorlie. This is his family here. And, but they wanted to send us through to Fremantle because they had caught us coming from east. And they were going to try and keep all the, the cells available for the local people. And, you know. So anyways, um, and, 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 and I remember getting showered in this lice lotion, gave us a set of green clothes to put on, you know, prison clothes. They, they walked us through, and I remember this one big white man standing at the front of the line, because they were lining up for tea at the, the time when they brought us in. And I thought, oh, no. what? He was about six and a half foot tall, more tall, I think, tall, six and a half anyways. And he was pushing all the other little blokes around. Um, sadly, it, the, the, it was 70%... Aboriginal people that was in there mm-hmm. and um, the, it's still the same today and we don't know how what to do mm-hmm. government don't know how what to do about yeah, that, it and change that, that that could be another topic yeah, you know, to talk yeah. about uh, what can be done can you know, do? with, yeah. uh, with the Aboriginal yeah. people yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Keep, keep going I, I can share what, what, what it did for me and mm-hmm. how I got out of that thing because my, my lifestyle was that. That, that that's what it was it was just a constant you know in and out not in and out of jail, but I guess I would have been if I didn't, 
you know, to find Christ at the time. But it's interesting that when I was in there, they they separated us, my cousin and I, and it, they put us in one little room, solitary room, and um, they took us took a belt off us, a shoelace, you know, because of the yeah. dangers of um, self harm. And um, two o'clock in the morning, I remember lying there, trying to sleep. Sleep would not come. And I was lying there. You know when you get tired and you just want to sleep but you can't? The mind was just constantly thinking. And I remember reaching up above my head on a shelf, there was a Bible. I didn't even see the Bible there. Mm. I reached up, grabbed it. First time in my whole life, I put it to my head and I said, Lord, if you're there, then please take away this pressure from my head. Just like a flick of the finger, it like a plug was lifted off my out of my head and I had the most peaceful sleep. It just like there is certainly power there from it's not just the you know, it's just just a book, it's there is power. Not the book, but the person who the author of the book. That's interesting what you just said, um, John. Sometimes we are uh, trying to do so many things yeah. to be right with God, and we don't understand that we just need to come before Him as yeah. we are in our vulnerability, or uh, yeah. in, like in mm. your case, yeah. uh, struggling, you know, with, uh, with the condition, mm. and God straight away answered yeah. and and saw your need. Yeah. Until you come to that decision, that, that situation in your life where you really need to reach out for something, you will keep on going, living the life that you were living, you know, for the rest of your life. And how was next day uh, for you after you have a good sleep, I will say, a better sleep? Yeah. How was next day for you? The next day um, I thought to myself, well, there has to be something. Um, because before that I used to think about flying saucers, that's how we're here, we just put here by aliens but don't know who put them there mm. but all those things were, were going in my mind and um, but then I, I made a promise to God and I said Lord when I get out of here I'm going to become a Christian and when I got out of jail um, I made those promises and I didn't keep them mm. you know, I know the feeling I know the, the feeling the temptation the devil was putting all these obstacles in my path um, you know with alcohol and drugs and your mates, my mates were my worst enemies, I thought they were my mates but mm. looking back now they were the ones that was feeding me keeping me in that that rut, that you know, dependence on alcohol and drugs and I remember one day my, my cousin some of my friends came back from bush hunting Mm-hmm. Not hunting as in um, kangaroos and stuff like that, but hunting for marijuana. Mm. They came back with this huge amount of marijuana, dried, big containers of it. So um, the, we, my mate and I had a business pulling some line in, so they um, sold it to us, we brought it. And, um, and then just after that, it, it was a lot, a lot Believe me, it was a lot of marijuana. And it wasn't just leafy stuff, it was pure head, yellow, 
Mm. You know, those mm. who know. I never, you know, I never seen it, and I don't, I don't, yeah. I'm not even interested. No. But yeah, you, you, yeah, it was, right. it I was mean, good quality anyway. Mm. Not good quality as in thing, but it, temptation. It, and yeah, and so um, I was on that and got that, and then my uncle at the time asked me to go to a Revelation seminar, and he said, "Would you like to come to Revelation seminar, John?" This was before I found the marijuana, or they give it, we we brought it, mm. and. Um, they said, I said, yeah, yeah, sure, because I knew that I wanted to find something. And then after that, about a week after, that's when this marijuana, because they were starting up in a couple of weeks, mm. just taking names and inviting people. And then when the Revelation Seminar started, they came to pick me up and I said, nah, sorry, I'm right. I, I don't, you know, I don't want to come along now. And um, so they started the Revelation Seminar. And I was making trips to Perth and backwards and forwards to Perth and selling and um, I had a lot of mates, friends everywhere. I had friends waiting for me at my doorstep for coming home from work. And anyways, um, and then after the, um, after I think they went through about 19, 18 series of, this is every week, 18 weeks or so, of the, ser the Revelation Seminar, I woke up one night, couldn't sleep. Same feeling as before. Mm. Could not sleep. When you were in When uh, I was in the marriage. No, no, yeah, same feeling as I was in prison. Mm. Couldn't sleep, tired. I walked out of, the, in, out of my room into the toilet at the back and I stopped halfway out. And I turned back and I reached over, grabbed the Bible off the shelf, took it into the toilet with me again. Second time in my life, put it to my head. I said, Lord, if you're really there, can you take this away? Instantly again, it was gone. The second time, the same thing. I, my head, that pain was just gone instantly. Went back into my room, had a beautiful sleep again. The next day I decided, no, nah, that's it. So I ended up giving marijuana, all the marijuana away that I had. I should have actually... Um, burnt it, mm. but I didn't know, you know, I just give it away and started having the studies again with um, the Revelation Seminar, the, the, I went to the last about a week, or no, a couple, about five weeks of it, and then I thought, this has to because I started learning about prophecy mm -hmm. Daniel 2, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, the, the, you know all those, yeah. those countries and, and I thought wow, this is just and uh, were you hunger for the new um, truth, you know, I for uh, something different in, in your life? I sure was. And it was something that's real. When you look at prophecy, you know mm. that it's not just a blind faith. Mm. It's prophecy that happened, that was said was going to happen way long before it ever happened. And you can just see it f fulfilling. Mm. And, um, yeah. John, I mean, just... Um, uh, interrupt you here for a short break um, would you like to play for us another yeah. another yeah. how how should i call it a song or a, a play or yeah um just a digital some play, digital play yeah. <laughs> let's hear it
Welcome back to In the Footsteps of Jesus with John Beck. John, as I'm thinking of, about your story, I know there are so many things to tell and uh, we wouldn't be able to cover uh, in a short program, but uh, I really like to have you back and uh, share uh, more of your story. What I would like now uh, from you Tell us a little bit, uh, after you decided to follow Jesus, where that uh, led you? Yeah, um, after I've done the Revelation Seminar and um, had my studies, I grounded myself, well, God grounded me in the, in the faith. And um, because a lot of people, they... They join a church and they don't really ground themselves in that faith, in that what they believe in. And then the first storm that comes, you know, this, the story, the story yeah, of the, the house seeds. Of seeds, and they, they build, him, build his house upon the rock and the sand. And mm. the first storm that comes, they normally, you know, go back onto the old way of life and. Um, so I grounded myself in the faith, and I, I was convinced, 100% convinced that this is God's last day in the church. Mm. And um, I learned about the state of the dead. You know, when you die, you don't go to heaven, as a lot of people say, and you mm. go to the grave and resting until the resurrection. Like the Hebrew, the faith chapter, you know, in Hebrews, the end of faith, Hebrews 11, all these people in faith, they didn't receive the inheritance, mm. but they're waiting for it. Especially for uh, for an Aboriginal, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know who. I mean, you'll you'll have so many other beliefs, you know, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. yeah, it's interesting yeah. to understand yeah. and to apply it in your own life. Yeah, yeah. And I learned about the Sabbath. The true Sabbath was the seventh day. Mm-hmm. God created the earth in six days. He rested the seventh. Therefore. Sabbath, the seventh day is the Sabbath. Mm. And also, you know, all the disciples kept it, Jesus kept it, God himself kept it. And um, um, I learned during, with the Revelation Seminar, it's a wonderful, wonderful Revelation it's a Seminar. I would recommend anybody, you know, mm. if, they, if you're really searching for truth, um, the Revelation Seminar would really open your eyes. Mm. Anyways, I was baptised, and this new lifestyle that I, that I have, and uh, I just wanted to share it. And I, I hardly had any education because I was brought up, brought up in the bush and I, I missed out grade one, two and three. They brought me into town and I had went straight to grade four because of my age. They didn't want to... Eight, nine, ten-year-olds sitting down with six-year-olds, you know. Okay. So they put me straight into grade, um, grade four and then grade five and six and then seven. Well, I, I, I missed another year from grade five to seven and then from grade... Then to high school, I didn't. They gave me a test. I couldn't fit into high school, the normal high school. So they put me into a project centre where we done half a day basic maths and English, mm-hmm. and then the other half using our hands, building beach buggies and mechanical stuff and woodwork. And mm. it was good. It taught me how to to do practical work. But I still needed that theory, you know, of English and. Why was now important for you education? Yeah, it, now particularly because I, 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 I was a practical worker, building and you know bricklaying before I 
become what I am now. A minister. A pastor, yeah. <laughs> and um, so I, I, I wanted to... I, I remember going to camps. We have an annual camp in Perth. And they have an Avondale display, mm. which is Avondale, which is uh, the theology class in, in Sydney, just out of Sydney. And I remember going there just dreaming of one day just going there, you know, and, and getting trained to go out and share this this truth that, that I found. And and I knew that I couldn't because it was too academically high, too mm. high. So I went back to TAFE and I started to do some studies at TAFE. And um, then I went to Darwin, my wife and I, we went to Darwin for a while and done a bridging course up there because her mother was living up there at the time. And um, then I was there, then there was plans of me going across to PAC, PAC over in New Guinea, Papua New Guinea, because okay. I had a, a a college over there that wasn't you know as high as the stands here in Australia. And I was going to go over there and and do some training. But then um, Pastor Ken Vogel, who was a president at the time in Western Australia, uh, he him and a few others thought of this. Um, college for Indigenous Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islander people here in Australia. So they they had enough funding for it to go for two years. That was 1996, 97. And, um, and they called it Mamarafa. Mm-hmm. Mama is the word for God yes. in, the, in the language Western desert area. And Rafa is a word for healing in Hebrew. So God heals. You know, oh, and, and it is a healing place. Wonderful. I was healed. Everybody you talk to who go there to this Mamarafa Bible College experiences that healing from just learning about God and fellowshipping and singing and mixing in with people from all over Australia, mm. from Man and Greta, you know, everywhere, all over. Um, so I went to, went to the college... And as I mentioned, the college started in 1997, and um, it's still going today. Yes, don't even look like closing. I I know uh, Aboriginal people who who are going there from here, from Adelaide. Yes, we're we're recording here. John, um, time is our enemy today, um, and we have to come to a close here. But definitely, I would like to hear uh, more about your story. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that our listeners will uh, will like the same thing. Uh, would you like to say something to our listeners out there, or maybe even specifically to to your mob? Yeah. Well, just briefly, I went through the college. I became a pastor. Um, my my life wasn't. On a bed of roses because you become a Christian. That's not what what it's all. What it, God doesn't promise that. Mm. You know, we live in the world of the enemy. My wife passed away. Um, yeah, my my children. One of them is still in the church. Others, you know, have left the church mm. And, mm. and so on. But my life now. Only one thing I regret about my life is that I didn't take the time to look at the scriptures and and find that there is a um, a God, a, a saviour, someone who can um, take away all the pain, all the the guilt of the past and the shame and all that stuff that keeps people in in bondage, you know. 
What I can get from you now that you regret the years which you you lost it. I mean, like you wasted. Wasted. Yeah. Wasted. Yeah. I, I don't regret it because I can relate with people mm-hmm. who are in that situation now, where a lot of people can't. But I I regret that I didn't look have, like find it a long time ago because yeah. there's a lot of years to I've be wasted. able to do even more. For, yeah, to do more uh, for your people. Yeah. Yeah. John, it's um, it's wonderful to have you here today and to share this amazing story with our listeners. And I pray that God will be with you. And you are a pastor now, and you are the director of the... Um, yeah, at some work, which is Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Ministries for right. South Australia. And we'll hear more about uh, your role sure. in, um, in this capacity and... Uh, to find yourself walking in the footsteps yeah, of Jesus. I'm, I'm so happy. And if I didn't, um, how would you say it, um, step out of away from my friends and my family, because your friends, indigenous families, and friends are your worst enemies. They, mm. they, you know, there's culture and there's families. They can be the, one of the things that, that we, we value them. That's who we are. But if, if you don't step away from that and put God first, can be it can be a big a problem. Big, yeah, God can save us. God is the only one that can give us salvation. Then we can save our families. But if we continue to stick to our families and our culture and stuff like that, you know, we we, we won't we won't step out of that. And, and it, was, it wasn't until I found myself in jail, away from all that mm. family and friends and and stuff, alone with God, no one to turn to but God. That's when I reached out and I found him. That's interesting. Here probably is the application of uh, the scripture which says uh, uh, whoever is not uh, leaving behind like father and mother and sister and brother is not worthy Mm. of me. And doesn't mean that we abandon our family. Definitely not. Or our Uh, cultures. Our cultures is important. But if you put them first, it can be difficult. Again, John? I like to hear a bit more about your new family because, mm. as you mentioned, you lost your wife yeah. some years ago, but you are a, a married man yeah, after ten years of being a widow. So, and uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, we'll leave this uh, that story for another time. Sure, no all God's blessings, and uh, I would like to just come out of this uh, discussion with another maybe sound of the didgeridoo. <laughs> And this is the wonderful, one of the oldest wind instruments in the world. <laughs> 